spoke a little bit about bikes. And I told you about my mother and I being able to ride together on my Harley Davidson all the way to Yorktown. And if God has put a dream in your heart, the enemy cannot stop that. And it was, it, there was a truth, but it was a little bit jokingly. And praise God, last night Miss Cat Kerr comes here and talks about, correct me if I'm wrong, Harley Davidson's in heaven. Did I not tell you? I haven't been there. But I told you, they'll be riding bikes in heaven, and they were Harley Davidsons as well. <laughs> Praise God. Man, there we go. So if you did not hear last week's, you can go it's on the computer and hear my little story about Mama and I on a Harley. So, praise God. Um, I want you to think about the most ridiculous, sinful thing that you have done. And this is not an exercise in sin consciousness. This is a, a teachable moment. Think about the most ridiculous thing. It should be difficult for you to do it because the Bible says we should not even have a consciousness of sin. But think about something that you did that was just, when you look at it now, you think, how could I have done that? What was I thinking? Where did that come from? Think about that moment. I'll help you. Uh, The first time I took drugs, hard drugs, not little Mickey Mouse drugs, but hard drugs. I did not wake up. You did not wake up that morning and say to yourself, well, I've got nothing better to do. I'm just going to go out and do whatever you were thinking about right now. That's not the way it happened. I didn't just wake up that morning and say, you know what? Tonight there's actually nothing to do. I'm going to go out and do these drugs. That's not how it works. It starts with a thought. And that thought can come through something somebody said, something you saw, a song you heard, something that someone told you about, and now the thought is in your mind. And now that thought festers or it builds as you think upon that. If you didn't take that thought captive and say, that's not of God. And it grows and it grows and it grows to the point where you act out that small little seed that started as just one small little thought and now it's blown up to this huge preposterous thing and you think to yourself now looking back how did I where did it it started with a thought a very small one one that was not very very important one that was not very very great but you allowed that through your power I thought and I meditated and I gave it my right and my ability to become the night where I sat down with my friends and we did those drugs. I didn't wake up that morning thinking, ah, I've got nothing else to do tonight. I might as well go and do some drugs. It starts with a tiny, little, small thought. And if we don't take care of that tiny, little, small seed that the enemy plants we may just find ourselves in a boatload of trouble if we do not take care of it. Okay. Before I forget, um, you were singing this morning and Elizabeth said, she said that there's a real grace for letting go. What did you say? 
Surrender. Okay. Hold on to that because God showed me what he wants to do today and it has exactly to do with that surrender. So I didn't speak to Elizabeth. She as the psalmist got from heaven a word. She spoke it and that's what God wants to do. So we're going to look at that later. If we can please have Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 15 up there. Thank you so much. Catch us the foxes. The little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. So now people would plant, and they would put fences around, and through this fence the big foxes could not come through to steal. So you didn't have to, the foxes would do and steal or kill something else, but the little foxes could still dig holes and they could come through and go into the vines and spoil whatever you have planted. So that's just the point that I've made now. If you and I don't take care of the little foxes that come in, they are going to spoil the vine and the fruit that should be produced from our lives if we don't look after that. Because so many times the enemy makes us think and believe that we're just looking for the big stuff. He doesn't come to your mind one morning and say, okay, today take a gun, go out and rob a bank. That's not how it works. Because it's so out there, it's so far, it's so ridiculous. But you know what? There are people who take guns and go and rob banks. But it didn't come with that big thought. It started with a small little thought. He doesn't come with a big, mighty, huge fox because most of the time we would say, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to do that, but I'll do this. And you know what? This builds into that, builds into that, and eventually that small little seed has built into that big thing. And then later you look back and you say, oh my goodness, how? what was I thinking? How did that? You, you, you weren't thinking when that first little thing came in there. Second Corinthians 10 verse 4 and 5. Take every thought captive. Every. And sometimes we just let the small little things go through and they fester and they fester and they become big and they grow and they grow to the point if we do not take care of that, we act out on that thing that was so tiny and minute in the first place. And now we're actually shocked that, man, I can't even believe that I actually did that. It started with a small fox. So take care. Of the small little things in your mind that you know that's not from God. Like I said last week, don't sit there for a while and say, Oh, this is nice. They did that to me. I should. That thing can build and build and build to a place where you do not want that in your life. So take every thought captive which is not of God. Check out those small little foxes because they can grow into big trouble. Let's turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11, please. We'll read a couple of verses here. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when the kings go out to battle that David sent Joab his servants and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. So he has a problem already. The king should be going out to fight. That's where they should be. You and I, everyone in this room today, you have a place that you should be. Where's your place? Where's your place 
for this season in your life. We all go through seasons and our places change. I remember my sister ministering, being on the campus, doing things, just amazing, going out, telling them about God, things happening, and then kids. Three, bam, bam, bam. And one day she's at home and she, she, she's finding it difficult to get quiet time with the Lord. She's not on the campus anymore. She's not ministering at all. And she's just upset because she wants to be out there and do what she was doing because that's what she's called to do. And the Lord said to her, it's just a season. You are anointed right now to change poopy diapers. That's your anointing for now. You're anointed right now to be a wife to your husband. Right now. That's what you're anointed to do. Yes, you're anointed to go out and preach. That will happen. That will come. But for this season of your life, this is your place. You be here and you do it to the best of your ability. Didn't really understand that. And then Nathan, our son, came along. And it just completely changed things for myself and for Tiffany as well. Where you can't get that quiet time, you can't do it. And God was, it's okay, I understand where you are. This is your place right now. And your place may be as simple as just showing up at work. That's your place. To go to your job. To do what God has called you to do right now. Your place may be as simple as just spending time with your family. And so many people are not in the right place and then you're out of your grace. And things come and things happen because you're not where you're supposed to be. Where is our place? So David is in a place where he should not be. I don't know the reason, it doesn't say. So we do a very dangerous thing, we assume. But maybe his understudy became so good David taught him that well. Maybe the army of Israel became so strong that David didn't have to go. Maybe the other people were so weak. We don't know. But the truth is he was not where he was supposed to be for whatever reason. You see, you and I have so many reasons. Well, that. Well, this. Well, this. No. Where's your place? So he's not where he's supposed to be. Not a big thing. Not a huge thing. Well, they can take care of it. It's under control. I don't have to go anymore. This and this. It's not such a big deal. One little thought. One tiny little fox. Let's carry on reading. We know where this is going. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. Every man sitting in here knows that you stand up on a roof and you see something like that. The first thing that you know is the right thing to do is to turn around and walk away because your eyes should not be beholding such a thing. And for a woman it's the same. Whatever the thing is, something comes across your path you know that you know that you know. I shouldn't be focusing on that. That's not where my attention is supposed to be. But look what happens. Look at the king of Israel, the anointed man of God. 
he saw the woman bathing. And the woman was, the Bible doesn't just say beautiful. She was very beautiful. Do you know how much time it takes to, to look, to see beauty, and then to see, wow, much beauty. When the first thing, when you see that, you should turn away. Take every thought captive and say, that is not from God. This is just a trap. And turn around and say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I know. Thank you that you've given me. But what happens? Looks and looks some more and looks closer and keep. Now that's, even that's gone too far. But if he had stopped there and said, okay, man, Jesus, that was wrong. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that I'm the righteousness of God. I'm not called to that. Turned around and walked away. We wouldn't be talking about this today, about this small little fox. But we'll keep on reading. So David sent and inquired about the woman. How far do your thoughts have to go that you have to act? This is serious, people. That you act upon that one tiny little second of something that you shouldn't have done. And now you start acting out on that. That's bad. So he goes to inquire. And someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife? We know how this ends. We know where this goes. But this all started with a single little thought that wasn't taken care of in right manner. Is there a thing in your life right now, a single thought that is busy festering, that's allowing you to act upon things that you should be looking at and saying, How could I even, I mean, how does a story go from where you just see someone to now where you go and have somebody's husband killed, murdered, because you have overstepped your boundary? Small little foxes. She goes, she gets with David, she comes back to him and she says, I am with child. Something may come forth from a situation that you do not want any fruit to come forth from that because it's just so wrong. But if you don't take care of the thoughts that leads to words, that leads to actions, there may be something produced from the situation that you and I should be having nothing to do with. And what do you do now when that baby is born? How do you take care of that now? When it was just so simple. Because greater is he. See, we can quote it. We know it. And if that is the truth, which it is, why is it not then? a possibility for us to say, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Thank you, God. I refuse to look at that. I know where that's leading. That is not from you. 
and I bless you and I thank you that I'm forgiven and, and go back to fight with it. Do whatever you have to do to make it right. But don't think that one little thing leads to another. It doesn't mean anything. It means a lot. And God wants to take care of that today. Genesis 3, we know the story. God talks to Adam and Eve and now the serpent comes. Serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Now how long does it take to hear? Has God indeed said? How long does it take to utter those words? How long does it take for those words to go into our ears? Two seconds, has God indeed said. And if you and I do not take care of those first two seconds of the enemy bringing something across our path, we can get into so much trouble. Problem here, I mean, there's so much in here. Eve was living off of information, where Adam was living off of revelation. She wasn't there when God said. Adam should have held her, but he didn't. But the fact remains that she's now saying so. Adam is there, the Bible says it. But it just took two seconds for the enemy to get to her and say, did God really say? And just stand back and see what she's going to say. And because the enemy is a fallen angel, he cannot change his ways. He has to do the same thing over and over and over again. He can't create So he does the same over and over again. But you know what? He doesn't have to change his ways because for 6,000 years it's been working very well for him. Where he comes to mankind and he says, did God really say? And now you start thinking, well man, if, if I was healed by his stripes, then why am I not better? Why is it? Why, why? And now he's got you instead of just when he comes and did God really say? Yes, God did say it. That's the end of it. It settles it. Praise God. By his stripes, I was healed. And turn around and walk away. Don't argue. Don't fuss. Don't fight. Stand on the word. Believe the word. Live the word. If Eve just turned around there and said, yes, he did. And leave. Things would have been so much different. But two seconds of listening to something that we should not be listening to can change your life upside down in a bad way. Words are very, very powerful. Thoughts are very, very powerful. Last week I spoke about a lady, Old Covenant. She had a thought of, wow, let's bless this man of God, build a room on our house so that when he comes by he can stay here. Thoughts are very powerful, good or bad. You can act on a good thought and man, your life will just go in one direction for the Lord, forward. And you can act on one bad direction and your life will go back for the Lord. So this lady had a thought. Let's bless this guy. Let's pay some money. Let's take money out of our pockets. Let's do something for this man of God. And at the end of the story when we read, I mean, because of that one little thought that she acted out on, she was so blessed. Because of a thought that she said, we're going to do this. This is a godly thought. One little thing started there. And in the end of the story, man, they were blessed because she took the right thought and acted upon it. And we need to do that as well. So let's carry on here. Let's go to Mark chapter 14. 
So even this morning we were singing about this. This is amazing about the lady coming and bringing the oil to Jesus and pouring the oil on his feet. So they're all in his house. We know the, the situation and what happens there. So verse 6, they, the, these guys get angry and Jesus says, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. He goes on and explains for time's sake. Verse 10. After these things, what Jesus said, verse 10 says, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray him to them. So when you read this, didn't have to say one of the twelve. Sentence would still be perfect English. It would still make sense if it just said, Then Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests. Why does it say one of the twelve? It doesn't matter how close you are to Jesus. That doesn't mean the enemy is still not going to come to your mind and place thoughts in there to try and turn you around on him. Man, there were people there. They flocked to him in the thousands. And then he had he sent out 70. Then he sent out more. But there were 12 guys that ate in the same house, rode in the same boats, slept along the same paths. And one of them, the enemy came to. That's why I believe, I mean, there are many other reasons, but Judas, because you would think, man, if I'm that close to Christ, man, nothing's going to get to me. If I live that close to the anointed, that close to God himself, you won't get me. There's no ways. Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve. Went to the chief priests to betray him. Why? Because of what Jesus said. He was either offended, he was either angry, he was either humiliated, betrayed. Now, if you read all of the Gospels about this completely different story than here, it wasn't really the Bible says in the book of John, says he wasn't asking because of the poor, he was asking because he was stealing the money. That's what the Word says. So now, all oh, the poor, the poor, the poor. Now, you don't care about the poor, you just want to fill your own pockets. But still, he gets offended, angry, bitter, whatever he gets. And now he turns around and he now starts walking and plans on how can I betray him? Small little thought. Small little action. Just, man, you said that to me. Oh, Jesus, you're right, man. You know what? Betray him? Do that to this? No, no ways. Thank you, Jesus. But he didn't do that. Small fox that he didn't take care of. Now he turns around and because of that, now he's thinking upon that thought. How can I betray him? It's like David. Looks, looks some more beautiful, very beautiful. Inquires, go and find, has murdered. One little thing goes to the next, goes to the next. So it says here, And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. So now you actually go home and you have a thought in your mind, how can I do this? How can I give up the Son of God? How can I physically do this? And you start planning and you're planning and you're planning. 
And if you go on and you read, it says that when Judas came in one of the Gospels to kiss Jesus on his cheek, just before he did that, he said to the guys, he said, arrest him. And then he kind of says, just don't do any harm. Just arrest him. Don't hurt him too bad. Don't, don't just, just because he wants to have it done conveniently. You can't sin on your terms, brother and sister. (laughs) I can't come to the enemy and say, if I do this, then okay, I'll do that, but you do this and this and this for me. Can't do that. So he comes and he betrays, and then when he comes and gives him his kiss, he says to the guys, when you arrest him, just, 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 just do it gently. And then they start seeing the guy's beating Jesus, pulling out his beard, smacking him, and he's thinking, I didn't sign up for this. Now, that guilt, now that, oh my goodness, what did I do? How did I get to this point? After sitting at the table and Jesus says, guys, one of you here, one of you, one of you, one of you, he had the opportunity to say, man, it's me, get it out, it's me, we're not going to do this anymore, but he didn't. Now he's standing, looking at them, beating Jesus and thinking to himself, I I didn't want this to happen. I didn't want it to go this far. I didn't mean for this to happen. You know, when, 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 when I was really doing the drugs and all of that, there were things that I looked back. And I looked at my past and, and I stood and I said those same words. I, I didn't want it to go this far. I didn't mean for this to happen. But the seeds that I sown, they were harvesting and it was time to reap what I sowed. We can't allow those little thoughts in our minds that are not of God to fester and to come and to build and to become big things in our lives that God did not want from the beginning. So we know what happens there. So Jesus is betrayed because of just one little thought, one little episode that Jesus says something and he gets so angry. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12, please. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Verse 15, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. And by this, many become defiled. So, 14 says, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. I believe this verse is used wrong in many instances. This is people take this and say, see, if you're not holy, if you do something, you can lose your salvation. That's not what it's talking about. It's not saying that. This verse is saying this. Simple, simple little example. It's talking about the other people seeing you and how you live out your holiness. They will not see the Lord if you're not living and walking in your holiness. Because where's God? So let's say I work in a, in a burger joint. I get a job at McDonald's. Going for the interview. Uh, fill in the resume. Okay, I can come every day. I just can't come on Sunday. Why not? Because you party so hard on Saturday that Sunday you can't be here. No, no, no. Sunday I go to church. Oh, my goodness. One of those. You believe in God? Yes. Jesus, Lord, is my Savior. Wow, this is one of those people. 
Okay, whatever, you can come and work all these other days, but Sunday you can go to church. Now you come to the burger joint and you speak just the same way those other people do. You show up late for work just like the other people do. When there's a problem in your life, you act out just like the other people do. Yet you have the kingdom of God on the inside of you. So when you go to that burger joint and someone is sick, they must come to you and see your holiness and say, Wow, God is truly alive. This person is amazing. This person makes me not want to speak the way I do. This person makes me want to become a better person. Look at their life. Look what God has done for them. But if you do not live out your holiness, none of them will come to see the Lord because they're going to say, my life sucks as much as yours does without God. Why do I need God in my life if you want me to look the same as you? What is the difference? I don't need your God. I don't have to have what you have to swear like you do, come late, party like... I can do that by myself. So, thank you very much, but your God means nothing in this place. So they will not see the Lord if you and I don't live out our holiness. It's not me losing my salvation. But you and I are not just saved for you and I. You are saved so that the person next to you can have what you have now. So that they can look at your life and say, do you know what? That is somebody I want to model. That is somebody that I look up to when there's stressful circumstances, when the economy is bad, when there's sickness and disease. Man, they're just at peace. And they want to pray for me and the power of God comes through them. Wow, God is real. That's what this verse is talking about. But now, look here. Lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. Nothing good can come from bitterness. Nothing, no thing worthy to be sought after, to be tried, can come from bitterness. And bitterness, I've spoken about this word and offense, used other verses, tackled this from a different position, but God is not finished with us. So nothing good comes from bitterness. And it says, and by this many become defiled. Through bitterness in your life, something will spring up. And the bitterness in your life can cause other people to become defiled, not just yourself. You're not just living for you. I'm not just living for me. I have a testimony of people that are watching my life. And they're looking. Does God really exist? Because that guy says he does. Let's see. And now they're looking. And if I'm bitter, if I'm offended, angry, jealous... Many people are going to look and say, I got that without him. I don't need him. I'm okay. Thank you very much. You go on Sunday, give your money away. I'm okay. And they get defiled. But just like a bad thought 
can lead to another bad thought, can lead to a horrific situation. On the flip side and the kingdom side and the light side, a good thought does the same. It just leads to life. It leads to abundance. Is Peter standing in the boat, toiled all night, caught absolutely nothing. And Jesus comes and says, cast your net on the other side. He's like, man, do you know what? You have no idea. You're a carpenter. There you don't catch this time of the day. We caught, we didn't. We... Can you imagine if he stopped there? But you see one thought that came from God, he acted upon. And we're still talking about that today. One thought from God that was acted upon. Look how that man's life was changed. Look at the people around him, how their lives were changed. Look at the day of Pentecost, where thousands of people who didn't even know that there was a God was changed because of one guy that said, I don't believe, nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to do this. One thought in the right direction changed all of that. The guy on the cross, Jesus hanging between two guys. They're mocking and they're with all the people and they're saying, get yourself down, who are you? And then one guy hanging on the cross next to Jesus has a thought. Wow, this truly is the Son of God. And he's forgiving them. He's, this is God. And he acts out upon that one thought that he had on the cross. See, because you can say maybe for Peter it's easy. He wasn't in pain. If he didn't catch any fish, he wouldn't die. He could go home to his wife. It's all good. But this guy on the cross, he's in a situation that many people say, I'm in that situation. I'm in so much pain. My life is such a mess. It's the end. Nothing can come from me making a good thought now. It's too late. You don't know the darkness that I'm in. You don't know where I am because of wrong thoughts that I did so many years ago. And now it's just the final end. I can't do it anymore. That's probably where he was. But he said, you know what? Wow. I'm going to act upon this thought. And one little thought from God. He says, man, will you remember me today? Will you remember me? Will you think about me? Because you are. I, I I see who you are. I know no one's going to do this if it's not. I deserve this cross. I should be here, but not you. But will you think of me? And look at the master turning to him. Today, today, you will be with me because you acted out on one right thought. See how powerful one right thought is? It's never too late. It's never gone so far that you can say, even if I do the right thing now, I've blown it so bad. No, you do not understand grace. So many people say, man, Rifle, you have no idea what I did. I say, no, you don't understand what he did. You don't know how far I am. No, you don't know how far he went. You don't know how dark and deep it is. No, you don't know how far his grace goes. You can't go that far. You can't at the last second in your eyes say, well, you remember me because I'm going to choose to do the right thing. And there's some of us sitting here today and you have bitterness. You have jealousy. You have wrath and anger 
and envy towards somebody else. And God wants you to get rid of that today so that we don't become an example that years later can say, wow, look, they had that in their mind and they didn't take care of it. God wants us to give that to him this very day. So if you have that, if bitterness, offense, somebody said something, somebody did something, it may be your boss, it may be your spouse, it may be your children, it may be your pastor, it may be Pastor Doug, it may be Pastor Jason, it may be myself. I'll give you an example. About three months ago, walking from our meeting that we have on Monday mornings, walking to the car, and I passed someone who's in our congregation, young man, and I see him and I say, hey, man, it's so good to see you. I haven't seen you for ages. How are you doing? And he answers me and I let it go and you know, I go home. Three or four days later, God says to me, you better contact that guy. Because he's angry. I don't do anything about it because I think, and I'm thinking, angry? I mean, what, what in the world? How? And, uh, you know, I don't do it. And about two days later, Holy Spirit says to me again, get hold of that guy and just get hold of him. And so I send a long email, and the Lord starts dealing with me, and I say to him in the email, you know when I passed you that day on the parking lot, and I said, I haven't seen you for a long time, I perceive in my spirit that you thought I was saying, why aren't you coming to church? I haven't seen you for a long time. Where are you? You're one of this flock. You better be here. That was not in my heart at all. I just passed by and I said, hey, I haven't seen you for a long time. How are you doing? Are you well? That was my heart. But the enemy put one little thing in his mind that when he left here, well, he doesn't phone me. And when he sees me, he wants to know why I'm not at church. Well, if you really cared, why didn't you phone me? So I sent the email off and I forget about it. And a couple of days later, this long email comes back. Dear Pastor, I, th- I thought exactly what you were saying. And I was angry because blah, 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 blah. But I'm glad that you told me and I'm sorry. And you know, it was... You may be offended. You may be bitter at one of your pastors. It's so easy when the enemy comes with little things about. And God wants us to get rid of that today. Do not leave this place if there's a small fox in your mind that you think not really important doesn't really matter. That's not what God said he wanted to do today. So I'm going to take this thing away. And if you have any sort of bitterness, anger, jealousy, wrath, offense, you need to come to the front and we're going to give it to God and get rid of it before the enemy can use that thing in any way right now. Come to the front, please. Even toward God. You know, if something happened in your life you believe for and it didn't happen and you're blaming God, there's any form of bitterness, angriness, jealousy, anything, come forward.
It's not to look at you and point the finger. It's to say, no more enemy. This is a little fox and it's not going to grow. I give this to the Lord. I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. I have love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control that's on the inside of me. That's all that I produce and I'm not going to allow this in my life. This is what God wanted to do today. This is what the Lord wanted for us to get rid of this so that we don't walk in this. And it's such an amazing place when the grace and the goodness of God comes to you that you can say, you know what? Through the word spoken today and the anointing on the word, I realize there's something in my soul that I should not be carrying. Thank you for bringing this word, Lord Jesus, so that I can get rid of it and give it to you. This little fox is not growing. He's going to die right now. He's going. He's, he's being killed. So, Father God, we thank you once again for your mercy, your grace. The word says for a thousand generations, a thousand generations, your mercy and grace is passed down. So we stand here as number one, two, three, whatever generation we are, but we just thank you for your mercy and your grace. And we come now as your flock, as your sons and your daughters, and we come now with whatever it is, bitterness, angry, hate, jealousy, offense, and we just give it to you. Just put it in your hand, hold your hand like this, just as a prophetic act. See that thing, what what it is. See it, see it in your hand. And just toss it to him. Say, take it. Take it, not mine. It's gone. And Holy Spirit, the teacher of the church, the comforter, the counselor, we pray now that you come and wash over every single mind, every soul that is here right now, and say, cleanse, my child. Cleanse. No more malice. No more angriness. No more bitterness. It's not there. And that the blood of Jesus just washes over that part of your soul. Washes over that. And instead of that anger and hate that was there, there's now a peace that passes all understanding because the Prince of Peace has taken that which you have passed on to him right now. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you guard our hearts in Christ Jesus and we will remember this day and we will remember this word so that the next time a little small fox would want to enter our grapevine where we grow our fruit we will say oh no I recognize you for who you are and you have no place here thank you Jesus for cleansing our souls thank you Jesus for washing us like the washing of water by the word the word has washed over our souls today the word has taken that which is not of you and removed it so all that is left is you and your thoughts and your ways which are higher your ways which are proven your ways which never fail Just where you are. Just thank Him because He's done that for you today. Just thank Him. Just where you are. Just thank Him. It's done. It's done.
it's done. Just thank Him. And if in any way possible, if it is possible, that person that you had the bitterness or the jealousy or the anger toward, go to them. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord because He will exalt those who humble themselves. Go to that person and say, you know, I had this, I'm sorry, forgive me, I was in the wrong, I had no right to be angry toward you. And they may even come back and say, I never perceived it that way, I said it in a different way, you understood me wrong, whatever the case may be, but your conscience is going to be so clean. You are going to be so clear. You are going to be so filled with peace and love and joy. And that's a good place to be. So, Father, we just thank you for this day. We just thank you for a a new start, a new beginning. The cliche, today's the beginning of the rest of your life. Yes, it is, and I'm clean. I'm washed. I'm in a good place. Spirit, soul, and body. I have nothing but love. As the word says, Oh no man, nothing but to love them. I love all those around me. I don't carry any jealousy, any hate, any bitterness, no more. I love. I love with the love of God. And love never fails. Love never fails. Thank you, Father, for your unfailing love toward us. Thank you that you spoke to us today that we can come and we can let go of these things that are not of you because we were not meant to carry them. And we take upon ourselves your burden, your yoke, which is light and easy to bear. And we say yes to your ways. Just like Artem prayed in the beginning. Yeah, we give you thanks. We give you the right and we say yes to your ways. Have your way. Bless you, Father. Thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, for this day. It's done. It's done. It's it's gone. It's not there. It's not there anymore. He has taken it. It's gone. You are free. You are washed. You are whole. It's gone. That hate, bitterness, angriness, it's gone. It's not there. Thank you, Jesus. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. God bless you all. If you need more prayer, come to the front. We'll pray with you. Go in the cleansing of the Lord as you are cleaned by the blood, made whole. God bless you. We'll see you next week.